0: Goal setting is a continual process. I think you need people around you to push you to go even further and reassess and and really hike your goals up or change and reevaluate and see, okay, I have achieved this specific goal. How could I double it or triple it? And the thoughts, systems, and processes that got you to where you are today aren't going to get you there. Having those kind of thoughts put in your mind, having your environment shape and support what you want to think and who you want to be is really key because we can't actually, in my mind, and my experience, we can't control the thoughts in our mind. We can kind of work toward that. Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Rundown. You know, we're in an ever-changing market and we're trying to figure out what to do. Combine that with we're approaching year end very rapidly. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in unfamiliar territory with things doing different things, slowing down, speeding up, bad deals, good deals, all of this stuff. But I've got a guest today that's gonna help us give us some information on what to do with the remainder of the year and how to best serve yourself, your investments and your investment clients with what to do on that
0: side as well. So help me welcome to the show, Taylor Lowe. Good morning, Taylor, how are you? Thank you so much for having me today. I'm I'm doing quite well. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show.
1: So Taylor, let's start like we always do with a little description about who you are what you're doing in the marketplace, and how you got there.
0: Absolutely. So I'm a real estate investor, invest in commercial real estate, primarily multifamily and self-storage. Got into this space right around 2016 when I started my switchover from Wall Street investing into Main Street investing. I'd gotten frustrated with where the Wall Street investments were going for me. I could see the path ahead and it was limited. I mean, your options to actually take action with your investments to add value to them are again, quite limited in that space and did some exploring around, you know, e-commerce and all the other ways that you can generate wealth and, and income. And I kept coming back to real estate investing, just so happened to pick up one of the classic real estate books that we have all read, rich dad, poor dad. And he got me hooked on the power of cash flow business ownership and that set me on the path to real estate investing i kind of skipped over the flipping and single family investing model because my goal was to emulate the most successful people that i could find or the people whose lifestyles and businesses looked the way that i wanted my business to look and i met a lot of flippers single family investors and while being very nice people they're business models just didn't match what I wanted to do. So after exploring and learning about how the space works, learned about syndication, multifamily investing, and the power to add value in commercial real estate. So that got me started. I started as a passive investor, pretty, pretty over the course of a couple of years, got onto the GP side of things. I was in the late 20 teens. Now today I raise capital for real estate syndications all around the country. So let's let's talk about some of that
1: for a minute because you know you touched on a subject that most people won't and that's the fact that you skipped over the wholesaling and the and the BRRRR strategy and the fix and flip. You know, you and I actually met on bigger pockets and you know, we were in there trying to mix it up with a lot of these people, but a lot of people think that that's the, the the road they have to go. You know, and there's a lot of reasons why you don't. When you say that your business model didn't match theirs, expand on that a little bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, again, I was in this space and getting into the space to build wealth and passive cash flow. That was the number one goal for me. And after learning about how wholesaling, as you mentioned, and flipping and those other business models work, it those are just to me jobs. I mean, no disrespect to the folks who who do those businesses. They can be incredibly lucrative if you do them, you know, the right way and effectively. But the folks that I were meeting that who I were the folks that I was meeting in those spaces that were successful in those spaces really just had another operating business that didn't have the tax advantages that we want to get through actually owning and operating real estate and you know when you get into the wholesaling space, the folks are looking to do some deals and maybe make five ten thousand dollars on a contract that they're flipping and frankly at the time I had five, ten thousand and plus dollars you know I'd been doing well as an investor. my goal was to make better use of my capital and find ways to create massive value. And I just didn't see that opportunity in wholesaling in particular, but, but also in flipping that just really never, honestly, it just never did it for me personally. Yeah. So I think you have to listen well, and,
1: to gut. And you know, you, you, when you say the word capital, a thing that a lot of people forget is capital isn't just dollars. Your time is also capital and where you apply that can really have a massive impact two, three, seven years down the road because of what you're able to multiply. And you know I had a kind of a similar recognition as a as a uh, four hire builder. you know i was I was a general contractor. we built police stations, all that kind of stuff. you guys know that. But I was sitting there every time I got done with the project, I stopped getting paid, but the people that I built it for kept getting paid, right? And then there's the whole tax advantage part of it and so i think that it's it's very uh i think it's very prudent to mention you don't have to take all the rungs on the ladder you can do like taylor did and you can skip a couple and and as long as you know where you're going and why so you've been doing this now for 7 years 8 years and we're coming to this very familiar time of the year where everybody's trying to get one last deal and they're trying to figure out their tax issues they're trying to do the things and and we're starting to see that people are doing some different things this year. What are some of the things, Taylor, that you're doing, maybe not different, maybe you're doing better than you did in previous years, but you're how are you positioning yourself to go into 24?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And lately, over the last month or so, I've been really intentional about my mindset and my information diet. I actually took a vacation with my family, my wife, my sister, brother-in-law and and my parents, we went to Hawaii for a week and it was awesome, we, you know, unplugged and of course, you know, I'd get emails and calls from my investors and I would certainly handle those but unplugging from most of the day-to-day activities and I came back incredibly inspired because we stayed in a beautiful place and, you know, I wanna be able to continue to do those things but also just having unplugged from the, the noise, you know, all of the doom and gloom That's out there on, you you could go on YouTube and you're going to be hit with, you know, hour long interviews that are just talking about how bad things are quote unquote today out in the world. And there's always bad news to go around. Certainly tragedies happening in, in Israel right now. And my thoughts are certainly with those folks, but to be an effective entrepreneur and business owner, we need to be careful about not spending too much of our thought time on the negative things that are happening, whether it's in the world or in our businesses, and focusing on growing our systems and growing our teams to take us to that next level. So for me, the remainder of the year is really in taking my podcast, which is now three episodes a week to five episodes a week. As So Joe Fairless, many folks know, is, is my mentor, has been for years how I got into this space. And I was speaking with him about two months ago now And he said, he told me, I think you need to go from three episodes to five episodes, if not every day. And how in the world could I tell him, I can't possibly do that. I mean, that would be ridiculous. He's been doing that for for you so far. No, I, I can't. I couldn't possibly push back on that. So I thought, okay, not, I can't do that. Rather ask the right question. How can I do that? And started thinking about what that would do for me and my business and how I could build systems to. Commit even deeper into the Thought Leadership platform and achieve that goal of putting out five episodes a week and you know, putting more knowledge out there from great folks like yourself. And you've been on my on my podcast. So that's that's big for me. And then also looking at specific, more specific ways that we can add value to investors. So I'll give you an example. Most folks are familiar with 1031 exchanges, and there are things that you can do in a 1031 exchange to get out of you know a more active investment that you're managing into a passive investment. You can't 1031 into a syndication, but you can 1031 exchange into a tenant in common interest alongside a syndication. And uh, we've done some of those deals. My goal for the remainder of this year and into next year is to build out a, a platform and, and a brand around that specific service for investors and what what knowledge do they need in order to help them make a decision if they want to move forward for that with that. So that's a goal of mine. It's pretty nascent stages, but you have a lot of things going on and, and setting big goals and committing to them has really been the thing that has gotten me to where I am today, but will also get me to where I want to go. I I just need to continually increase the, the activity, if you will.
1: Well, and you know, you bring up several good points. You know, I mean, we heard a lot when we were kids, you are what you eat, right? Yes. But your brain is the same way. And the more you focus on the negative and then try and put yourself in the positive mindset to do what we're doing every day, to to look at the problems that we solve for people, for ourselves, just in getting business plans executed, you know, there's always that that thought process of man, if I could just be more positive, I could just you know have a different mindset and a lot of that is truly in your control and i think so often on podcasts and and things we we talk about the business but we don't talk about what it takes to prepare for the business what the mental capacity is or what what needs to happen in your own personal life to put yourself in that place where you are functioning for yourself and your investors at an optimum level and you know, so many people think that you can continue to consume the garbage that comes out of CNN or MSNBC or whichever news feed you like and and continue to have the best mindset. And, and you bring up a really good point that you do have control and you can shut that off. I know that I've done that in several capacities in my own life over the last year, uh, as well as looked at my personal health. And I got to tell you, Taylor, it's made a huge difference in how I approach the day just because of how I feel. You know, it's always going to be something going on in the world, in my world, but how I choose to let that dominate is really, really key. The other thing that you brought up is you brought up goals. And I know that, you know, as we're getting toward, I mean, we're, you know, getting toward the end of the year and I know that successful people set goals, successful people achieve goals. I, I also talked with Rachel Peterson a couple of years ago who wrote the book Money Maven, really great gal, young gal, very smart. And one of the things that she did was she set more goals than she could possibly achieve in the year. So that she never felt like at some point that she had reached this, you know, you set 10 goals, you achieve them, you know, by July, then you coast the rest of the year, you wasted half the year. Right. But, but she used to set more goals than she could ever come up or ever possibly achieve and was always adding to the list. So it was never, it became a practice for her that was, was an evergreen thing. And it was a, it was a continual fountain of challenges. How do you approach goal setting? And, and what, are, what are your
0: thoughts on that? So for me, goal setting is a continual process, kind of like you mentioned about, Rachel, I think you said her name was. You have to keep reassessing. When you, you reach a goal, I think you need people around you to push you to go even further and reassess and, and really hike your goals up or, or change and reevaluate and see, okay, I have achieved this specific goal, how could I double it or triple it? And the thoughts, systems, and processes that got you to where you are today aren't going to get you there. So then the more micro goals out of that become, how do I redesign all of those aspects to help me reach that goal? So for me, just to give you some specific examples, in reducing the information that gets to me, That's gone from kind of random things or like listening to music as I would work on things to now my background noise, if you will, is two people, Jim Rohn and Earl Nightingale. And there you go. Yeah. And we may, you may know, or a lot of folks know in this space, Kyle Wilson, who was Jim Rohn's business partner for the longest time. He's going to be coming on my podcast very soon. So I sent him an email the other day. I'd met him a few years ago and said, man, you know, Jim's been helping me out a lot lately and he's been passed away for well over a decade now, but love to get you on and and learn what you learned from him from, from working with him. But I think those, having those kind of thoughts put in your mind, having your environment shape and support what you want to think and who you want to be is really key because we can't actually, in in my mind and my experience, we can't control the thoughts in our mind. We can kind of work toward that a more constructive thing that we can do is frame our environment in a way that will set our mindset, set our thoughts up to support our goals and get us to where we want to go. Because no matter what goal you're pursuing, you're going to hit setbacks along the way on a daily or weekly basis. And I've certainly had those, but your mindset should be that I can get around this setback, whatever it is, the obstacle is the way. But if you're not, at least again, for me, if I'm not constantly feeding my mind with the thought processes that I can work around this, I can work through this, I can figure this out, then I might get hung up on the particular setback, whatever it is that day, and just end up wasting time, right? So I believe it it begins with engineering your environment and engineering the people that you invest your time with. Hey guys,
1: real quick. If you're enjoying this show, I wanna ask you to please give us a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to right now. Leaving us a rating and review takes just a few seconds and it's a great way to show your support for our show. Your support helps us reach more listeners and create better content. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Now let's get back to the show. You know, and I completely agree with that because how are you supposed to have the, the right mindset just all of a sudden? You know, it's not something you can just turn on and turn off, right? And I think that, you know, like we discussed a little bit earlier, you know, we get so caught up in our podcasts about providing information about the how-to that we forget the the backstage stuff, the stuff that happens in the green room, if you will, of how do you really get there to function at this high level, to be able to execute, how how do you deal with all that if you're not constantly looking at setting goals, taking priority uh, for yourself your mental space, your physical space, to where you're actually creating and bringing the best you you can possibly be in that 24-hour segment to the table to be there for everybody that relies on you to be uh, their sounding board, to be their mentor, to be their coach, to be their you know advisor. All of those things take resources from us, and I know Taylor, you're in the public spotlight a lot. I find myself there more than I care to be. I'm I'm honestly more of an introvert than than anything. But you know, how do you take the time to recharge yourself after your, you know, you're doing all the activities and everything? How do you make sure that your energy level, your
0: whole, your, your, how do how
1: do you ensure that you're at the top of your game?
0: It's it's a difficult practice, and a, for me, it's something that I have to do every day to some extent. And I'll give you some specifics about what has worked for me. So number one for me is sleep. Getting an adequate amount of sleep every night is almost everything for me to show up during the day in the way that I need to be. If I didn't sleep well, it's going to be much more of a struggle. So going to bed at a decent hour and then, you know, falling asleep and really managing that process. So incredibly important. Number two, physical activity. My favorite thing to do physically is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I started training back in 2015. I've been consistent since then. Today, the you know, as things stand, I train about four to five days a week. Can't train all the time between, you know, business commitments and also, you know, I'm 34, so I can't train like I did when I was in my (laughs) mid twenties, unfortunately. But even then, even then days when I I can't do jujitsu for me, movement of my body helps me de-stress and get my mind away from the active thoughts about how can I solve this problem? And conveniently, I find that when I'm able to stop thinking about those things for a half an hour, an hour, when I come back to it, I usually have a pretty good answer for myself or, or a good next step. At a bare minimum, I have a better mindset to approach the problem. So for me, it begins with the environment that I put myself in and the state in which I you know, maintain my body and my lifestyle to support that We're all aware of folks like uh, Jocko Willink out there who sleeps four hours a night. I have no idea how in the world he does it. I can't survive on that little sleep, but we each need to know what we need
1: in that way. Yeah. And you know what, honestly, I'm five to six. I mean, if I get more than six, I tend to find myself getting groggy, getting, you know, feel like I've, I've had too much, but you're right. It's what is right for your body, right? It's not, not the same for everybody, but you know, when you're when you're taking good care of yourself and you're taking care of your mental space, it, it, to me, it almost clarifies your mind. It almost makes you see things from a higher level and be able to get more done, number one. But number two, it it allows you to see more clearly what needs to be done. So you're not wasting time chasing rabbits that don't really fit into the process that needs to happen. You and I talked a little bit before we started the show about, you know, systems and processes and procedures and you've mentioned it a couple times during the show what are some of the things that this year you've you've taken the time to figure out that you're implementing through the end of 23 and into 24 that are going to elevate your business but also simplify and put in policies not policies but procedures and operations that are going to make that so that you can be of more service free up time because that's really what this whole game is about is getting time freedom back And really be a better service to to your clients and investors.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So a big one for me, especially moving forward toward the end of the year, for my podcast in particular, I so far have handled all of the guest booking, the guest invites. I send all of those emails that say, hey, would you like to appear on our podcast? And doing three episodes a week, it's manageable, but it does take time to find those folks and reach out to them. It's a task that, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm still a little uncomfortable hiring someone to, but I'm, I'm in the midst of that right now, hiring someone to handle it because I like to know the people that are going to come on the show, but I really need that time so that I can focus on bigger picture activities. I have a few, I have an, an ebook that I'm in the middle of that I am hiring a designer to work on and also a, a written book that I've been working on for probably about two months now working on the original rough draft. And when I'm spending this time on say guest invitations or reaching out to other podcasts to request an appearance on their show, I, I'm not focusing on those higher value activities, which is putting out, you know, content, putting out the knowledge that I have and the things that I've learned that could, you know, benefit others. So it's, it's really continuing to put people in seats and hand off tasks to, others to get them still accomplished. Maybe it'll be about 80% as good as I can do, but it'll still get done reasonably well so that I can focus on those higher dollar per hour activities. And I didn't come up with that idea of higher dollar per hour activities. I got that from somebody else a couple of years ago at a mastermind event that I paid $2,000 to go to for the weekend, spent some time with some very, very prolific syndicators and had some dinners and Ask them, what do you do? How have you built systems? And that was the first principle that they talked about is understanding the true value of your time and the value of the activities in your business. Many of them will value their own time between $500 and $1,000 per hour, which is a pretty steep ticket, but that puts your mind in the right place. And in that way, when you have an activity where you could hire someone from between Four to $20 to $50 an hour to handle something in your business, you kind of have to do it. You're more prepared to make that investment in your business and have someone put in that place because time and our health are our most valuable assets, truly. And we need to focus our energies on maximizing those values. And, you know, truthfully, having employees and, and paying people especially when they do well, is just, it's just awesome. It's great to have, you know, the ability to support someone's lifestyle and, you know, help, help them out too with a, with a job, right? This is, this is an exchange that we have going. So it's very fulfilling to do so. And, you know, one of the things
1: that I do too, Taylor, is every year we're getting ready to come to the end of tax season, right? we follow our extensions. I'm getting ready to get my, my, all that done. And this is an activity that I do every year. I take my tax return and I look at what I have netted right? Or I look at my gross income and I take that gross income because I have, I, I, I play real estate game for a reason, right? I mean, there's a lot of deductions in there, but I take that gross income and I divide that by 52 weeks in a year and by 40 hours a week. And I know what that dollar amount is every single year that my time is worth. And you're right. It does help you when you know what, you're got, what you got paid last year per hour. And you're sitting here looking at it going, I need to do this task. And it might sound like a lot of money to pay John 50 bucks an hour to do this. But when you look at what you made a year, what you made by the hour and really break it down that, hey, man, my billable rate is $500 an hour. It is $1,000 an hour. It is something that allows you in your mind to say, you know what? I get it. You know, it helps me not to, to, to use that phrase. You know what? It, it'll just take a minute. I can do it myself. It does. But I find myself doing that five and six and seven times a week. And now all of a sudden it makes sense to get somebody in there, pay them well, have them do it at 80% because they're never gonna be you. They're never gonna work with that level of efficiency. They're never gonna work with that level of passion for that activity, but they're still gonna be able to do it 80% as good as you at this rate, which is still much less than this. And it allows you to pursue only the things that bring in those highest dollars, right? And at the, at the end of the day, that's the that's the reason for building an organization. You're trying to build something that can replicate itself, something that needs you to do the activities that you're passionate about, that you're really good at, to make those happen, while the rest of the other activities, some of the mundane stuff, you know, but I, I find too, Taylor, in, in the teams that I built, you find the people that really love mundane, you know, they really, I mean... I've got a gal upstairs that loves reading a PPM, right? And it's like, what in the world would you want to do that for? I'd rather roller skate across broken glass, you know, figure that out before I would rather read through every single PPM and go through it line by line and make sure that they, you know, they're all there and then go through it line by line with the investor and make sure that they have that understanding. You know, to me, that's really, really dry stuff. And yet there's somebody that that's, that's their jam. That's the thing that, really, that they really love. And they love making sure everything is in the exact same box at the exact same angle every single time. And then that frees you up to do those high dollar activities, those things that are really good for you that really grow and promote the business. And, you know, then building out the system as much as it's something that you and I can do, are we the best at it? Because I can tell you for, for real, there are a lot of things that I can do. There's a lot of things that my staff doesn't want me to do, right? Because it's not perfect. It's not, you know, you can tell I'm not passionate about it. You can tell I don't do it all the time. And yet finding somebody that fits that seat, that does it all the time, that it's always the same, and it's always exact, and it's always on time, and it's always these things, and there's nothing that ever gets in the way of that activity is really powerful because it allows you to scale a business. It allows you to scale back on your time if the business has hit a mark that you're comfortable with. And I think a lot of people forget that and they look at growing for the sake of growth without putting those systems and, and, and procedures in place that allow you to actually step away from a lot of those activities, allow you to step away from the daily of this activity and be able to either go after what you want or scale back and take care of yourself and be part of your family more. And I think that a lot of that is forgotten because we're just sitting here we got to get bigger. We got to do more. We got to do, we got to do it faster,
0: you know? Absolutely. And I think there's so much to what you just said, but you know, regarding having right people in the right seats. Not everybody wants to build a real estate syndication or investment. Business. Which is weird, Taylor. Why would you not want to, right? <laughs> it takes all types though, to make these. It does as well work.
1: as I know. And I, and I find that so often, I think everybody wants to be do what I do and like what I do. And and I find that to be very true. A lot of people have no interest in it,
0: you know? And those are folks that we can hire to do what they do best and what they want to do. And they can perform at their maximum. The real, to me, the goal is absolutely find somebody that can do something 80% as well as we do, but ideally find somebody that can do that thing 200 or 300% as well as you do so that it's improving and growing the business. And then you can focus on giving them the resources that they need to perform in that level. And you can go back to your level of peak performance and highest dollar per hour activities. Yeah.
1: Well, Taylor, man, as we wrap this up, I really want to thank you for your time today because, you know, while we didn't really talk about the business that we're in business with, we really, I hope we gave our listeners some insight as to how top performers in this business are taking care of themselves and are doing these activities to make sure that their business is functioning as well as they are. One more thing before you go, though, you mentioned you're coming out with a new book. You mentioned you're, you're doing some other things. Where can people find you to get more information and to learn more about your five-day-a-week podcast coming out and, and get more, more plugged in with, with what you've got going on?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So two websites, my show, the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, can be found at passivewealthstrategy.com my real estate investment company, NT Capital at ntcapitalgroup.com. Awesome. Well, Taylor, once again, thank you for being on the Real
1: Estate Rundown. And guys, if you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. And again, make sure you turn in next time for the Real Estate Rundown. Thanks for listening. I hope you found tons of value in this show. It would help us a lot if you could rate and leave us a five-star review as we continue our mission to help others just like you in their real estate journey. Thank you, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Rob Net's Real Estate Rundown.